So uh, tell us your name and a bit about your family. So my name is Tina Murray. I like to try to say that separately because if I don't, people think I'm Tina Marie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I am, I have a husband and three boys, uh, 21, 18 and 16 year old boys. How long have you been at Zero? So um, we started, my husband and I started coming just uh, actually during the ice storm. Oh wow. Um, we had moved back to Brockville and we, I didn't, I didn't, hadn't been going to church and then the ice storm hit. Well, we're in a sermon series called Short Stories, The Teachings of Jesus. I want to ask you your opinion. For you, what makes for a good short story? I know this is shameful, but <laughs> I like a rom I like romance. Okay. I, I just I like that kind of it's mindless for me. I my job is so heavily intensive, and and I'm always thinking. And so like what listening or reading a a mindless romance story. Is okay, awesome. Silly, I know, but yeah. What makes a good story for a storyteller? What that you would have to do in that ministry. So I think it's all about the inflection in your voice. It's all about the energy you put into it, the changes in your voice. Um, sometimes you get down, sometimes you stand up, sometimes you move around. I think that type of stuff. And literally, sometimes it's speaking very quietly. And so now I can, the kids just Eat, they eat it up, right? And, and it's the facial expressions and the hand expressions. And I think for me personally, I think that's what draws in the children. So awesome. Thanks, Tina. Well, hey, would you consider making a funny face for us? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in once again this week. I'm coming to you live from the loft portion in our facility. The loft portion is the space where our teenagers hang out. Did you know that Sea Road has some of the most amazing teens on the planet? These young men and women are incredible. They are world changers. They are world class in who they are, their character, and who they are becoming. I am so proud and thankful that this group of people calls Sea Road home. I want you to join me this week in praying for our teens. They are facing the challenges that you face and I face on a daily basis, and they're doing it with such grace and bravado and courage and amazing resiliency. We have something that they can teach us and we can learn from them in a real viable way. So why don't you join and partner with me in praying intentionally for our teens, for celebrating our teens. And if you see a teen, give them an air high five. You know, we can't uh, touch each other yet or, or hug each other. So we got to do that physically distanced air high five. Send them a note. Tell them how proud of them are. You might be, you are, and how thankful that you are that they're a part of our extended family here at Centennial Road Church. In fact, our next gen team itself is amazing. So thank you so much for all the men and women, paid staff and volunteers that invest into this group of people because without them, we would be in trouble. We desperately need them to change us, to help us to become who God has created us to be. I wanna share a secret with you. It's actually a little bit of insider info in the life of the Frizzell family and how we celebrate a particular birthday. Every time on the calendar when my womb Independence Day arrives, my wife and my kids do something special. They make me one of my most favorite desserts. And for the longest time, that dessert was frozen Smarty Cheesecake. It was incredible. 
that whole big large dessert that they make is just for me. Now, when I say just for me, I really mean it's just for me. I'm the only one that gets to eat from it. Everybody else who's celebrating has to eat a different dessert or a lesser version of that dessert. That big one whole cake thing is just for me. And over the next period of time, I ration it and I eat it and I enjoy it in order to celebrate my arrival on the planet, but also the gratitude that I have for the, the memories and the experiences that I have with other people. I've allowed this cake to be used over a period of 36 hours. My record is I've stretched it to 13 days where I've had this cake and I've been able to eat pieces of it along the way. It's been so fun because, you know, you come home from a long day at work, maybe a frustrating conversation, you have a little piece of cake, a little bit of enjoyment, something sweet to treat yourself. You go on a long run and you come home and after a run, you do what you should do is you eat cake. You know, you have a lot of fun with it. But even though I've tried to make this cake last forever, even good things come to an end. You and I, we have this amazing life that we've been given. It's a gift. But even that gift, all good things come to an end. We have an expiry date. So when we've reached our expiry date, what happens next? What happens when you and I die? That's the question that we're going to answer today as we look at a story from our short story series rooted in scripture from the book of Matthew. If you got a Bible with you, in turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be focusing on verses 47 through 52. They say this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw away the bad ones. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all of these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. Really unique story that Jesus tells. And what's different about this story is it was told to a smaller cluster of people, his closest kind of confidants and allies and friends called the disciples, not to a big, large crowd like some of the other stories that we've been looking at during this series of short stories has, has been the portfolio and the framework for the conversation. This is that small, intimate group. And Jesus digs into it right away with them. And he talks about the whole reality of what the end of the world is going to look like. What's going to happen when we die? It's called a judgment day. Later on in the Bible, it's referred to it by that terminology, a judgment day. And on that day of judgment, when you and I expire, when we've reached our expiry date, we're going to stand before God and we're going to be sorted. We're going to be sorted either into a righteous category or into the wicked category. You might be thinking, okay, so what makes a person righteous? There's actually only one thing that makes a person righteous. It's not their activity or their merits. It's one simple thing, and that is this whether or not that person is connected to Jesus. 
If a person is connected to Jesus because of Jesus, because of his life, because of his death and resurrection on the cross, because of being covered by the blood that he spilled from giving up his life, that death on the cross, you and I become, have the opportunity to be righteous. So if we're connected with Jesus, we are considered righteous. Now here's the really cool part about that. You and I, it's not about our effort. It's not about our energy. It's not about anything that we've applied to our, our lives in some way. It's all about what God has given to us and our ability to just receive what God has given to us. That makes us righteous. It takes away all the guesswork. It takes away all the confusion. You and I don't have to sit down with a big list of, of a journal of good things that we've done and bad things that we've done and make sure that they balance out at the end of the day. Imagine it for a moment. If there was a scorecard like that, you tell a lie, it's minus 15 spiritual points. Now you need two kind words and a good deed to counteract that one lie. And you're hoping that you're operating from the correct scorecard, the correct playbook, so that you've done enough to earn God's favor, to earn God's uh, gift of, of mercy and grace so that you can be righteous. That is just exhausting when I think about it. A couple of scales, good things, bad things, hoping and praying that we've done enough good to outweigh the bad things of our lives so that we can move on in the adventure, we can inherit eternal life. The truth is about our world, so many other spiritual movements outside of Christianity speak that, about that kind of truth, that kind of reality, that you have to earn your way into an afterlife experience, into an eternal life experience. But what Jesus is telling us in this story is completely different. He's talking about, no, everybody's going to be considered either righteous or wicked, depending on their connection with God. And God always does what is right. God always does what is right. So many times you and I try and figure out the, the levels of righteousness for one another. Like, ooh, that person is so much better than that other person based on what they are doing or not doing. And at the end of the day, that is something that we can leave to God to figure out because he is God and we are not. I want to look deeper into this story and look at the different elements around it. There's kind of three big things going on, three roles or characters that are at play here. You've got fish, you've got fishermen, and then you've got sorters. Fish, fishermen, and sorters. So what is the role of a fish? A fish's role is actually to multiply. We want them to become more in number. We don't want just one fish, we want lots of fish. And so the purpose of a fish is to multiply itself. You and I, we are like that fish. You and I are designed to multiply ourselves. Sometimes that's through the form of procreation. Sometimes it's through the extension of adoption, adding to our family in that way. But in other ways, it's multiplying who we are, investing ourselves into the people around us. The, the hope, the good things, the grace, the good behaviors, all that stuff we get to multiply into the people around us. If you've ever gone fishing, you understand that it's a real complicated process. It's not as straightforward as it might seem. You need the right lure, you need the right tackle, you need the right 
area. In fact, we've got fancy technology that helps us with that today. We've got fish finders that tell us where the fish are swimming in the water so we have a higher probability that we're gonna attract these fish. Well, the job of a fish is to multiply itself. That's the job over time. The job of a fisherman, the job of a fisherman is to gather fish. And that fisherman is the one that makes use of all of those different elements that we've already talked about in terms of technology, lures, bait, all that stuff in order to gather fish. In this story, these fish throw out a net. These fishermen throw out a net to catch all their fish. And they end up catching fish of every kind. We don't know how long that process took. Maybe it was a short while. Maybe it was a long while. If you've ever gone fishing before, you know that you can be in that boat for a short time before you get a bite or a long time before you get a bite. It all depends on what the environment, the culture is around you, the place that you are, whether or not the fish are on the bite, the time of season, the temperature, all these different elements at play. The role of the fisherman is to gather the fish. The role of the fish is to actually multiply themselves to become more than one fish. And it's the role of the sorter to actually categorize that fish. In fact, our story tells us that after this net is full with fish of all kinds, it's pulled up onto the shore and on the shore, that's when the sorting takes place. The good fish are put into crates. The bad fish are thrown away. And Jesus says, that's what it's going to be like at the end of the world. When it comes to that moment, when it's the end of the world as we know it, that's what it's going to be like. The angels are going to sort righteous from the wicked. Not people, not you and I, not the fishermen. The angels are going to do that sorting. Think about it for a moment. How much effort have you and I put into trying to categorize people? We can do it on a variety of different scales. We can do it based on their sports allegiance or their affiliation and what they cheer for. I've got a good friend of mine who cheers for a different soccer team than I do. And he constantly messages me every time his team is doing better than my team. Now, I know that my team is superior to his team overall, but I, in the moment, I let him play out the idea and the notion that his team might be better than my team. I don't categorize my friend into somebody that isn't, uh, isn't a person that can be associated with or connected with because of his different allegiance. But I, I do sometimes question his sanity in cheering for the team that he chooses to cheer for. And he probably does the same for me. You and I, in every moment of our day, we're constantly working through prejudices and, and categories in our brain when we look at people. We might walk into a, a restaurant or a takeout order and we see somebody that isn't following the health protocols and we might think, ooh, there's a rebel. We might not fully understand that they're not fully aware of what the current protocols are because they've been changing so frequently around us. Uh, we might be confused when we see a person of color and different things flood our hearts and our minds, maybe some misjudgments of character or ideas based on lies that we've believed about a, a specific people group or a specific segment of our community. Uh, we might be confused that somebody of lesser socio socioeconomic status than what we have experienced is, is somewhat in a different category than you and I. There are only two categories of people at the end of the day, at the end of our world, and the, those categories are righteous 
and wicked. And it's up to the angels. It's up to God to differentiate between the two. It's not your and my opportunity or job or responsibility to do that. Now, maybe you find yourself in a space where you're like, man, I have done that. I'm sorry. Why do I keep doing that? Well, take heart. It's not something that is just brand new here in 2021 that you and I wrestle with. In fact, this is a historical pandemic that humankind in general has wrestled with. We've just come through the remembrance of the Holocaust and all the tragedy that the Jewish community experienced through that travesty. Worldwide eradication of entire people group based on their heritage and ethnicity. That's devastating. If you go further back in history, you can even see Christians participated in this. During a time called the Crusades in human history, these well-intentioned, good-meaning individuals who said that they love God were actually creating war wherever they went in order to restore land and property to what they thought was the rightful ownership and people group. Fighting in the name of God is never a great option when we're trying to show the world that God is a God who desperately loves them. What if you and I left the sorting or the categorizing of people to God and we did our jobs to either gather people as fishermen or multiply ourselves just like the fish do in this story? What if we just did that? Wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't that be exactly what life is all about? You and I are invited, if we're followers of Jesus, to choose to live and love like him, to demonstrate our love in great, amazing ways, and to let our lives speak to the reality that God is alive, he is who he says he is, and he desperately loves people of all kinds, of all races, of all ethnicities, of all ages, in all regions of our world. That's our job, our opportunity, and our responsibility. So how do we do that? How do we actually love and live like Jesus here, right now, in the moment? I'm going to suggest three things that you and I can do starting right now that will be a domino effect in our world and in our relational spheres that will help people around us know that they are loved and valued and cared for. The first thing is this taking the time to listen to somebody's story, especially in this season where we find ourselves in another extended lockdown, where we're all a little bit chafed when it comes to our emotional health and well-being. We're a little bit irritated. We may be a little bit fearful. We may be a little angry or agitated. We might be all sorts of different things. What if we took up the posture of listening, the practice of listening to somebody else's story. Maybe it's gonna be in an inconvenient moment and we're gonna have a phone call that goes a little bit longer than we wish. Maybe it's gonna be a video call with somebody that we haven't spoken to in over a year. I don't know what it's gonna be like, but I'm telling you, when you give somebody the gift of time and listening, they feel valued and cared for in that moment. If you want to demonstrate love to the people in your world, if I want to demonstrate love to the people in my world, I need to practice the art of listening, taking the time to demonstrate value and worth to someone else 
by being willing to listen. Now, listening to someone doesn't mean that you need to agree with them. It just means that you are providing them the space to be seen, heard, and loved. Would you join me in doing that this week, taking the time to listen to somebody's story? Maybe you want to do this second thing. The second idea is being a person of peace. Being a person of peace. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what is a person of peace? A person of peace is a bridge builder. Did you know that the Canadian Armed Forces are known worldwide for their peacekeeping diligence and amazing tenacity? Peacekeeping ability. Their ability to build bridges. Now, what's cool about a peacekeeper is it's an individual that is able to stand in, in a polarizing scenario and create common ground between two extremes. A, a way forward or a bridge between two extremes. This can happen in a, a church from a theological perspective. People might have two differing ideas or realities or practices, and a bridge builder is able to find the commonality where these two groups of people are able to move forward together. It can happen in a family where you don't maybe necessarily appreciate what somebody in your family does in terms of their parenting strategy and they don't appreciate your parenting strategy but that bridge builder in between you both helps you see the value in these diverse experiences of parenting and you can move forward together a person of peace is somebody that isn't passive isn't passive at all there's somebody that is willing to step in the middle of a tension-filled situation and bring a resolution or a restoration from that space. Are you and I willing to be a person of peace wherever God has placed me? In my home, with my wife and my kids, in your workplace, with your extended work family, your boss, your supervisor, your coworkers, your clients? Are you able to be that person of peace right in your neighborhood? Maybe you've got that one neighbor that everybody else really dislikes. Can you be a person of peace, a bridge builder between that unlikable or unlovable or perceived unlovable neighbor and everybody else? Wherever God has placed you, it's for the opportunity for you to be and learn to be, grow into that reality of being a person of peace. If we take the time to listen, if we choose to be a person of peace wherever we've been placed, we can start that conversation of helping people feel loved and cared for in the moment. And when the world we know comes to an end, we can help them understand that God is a loving and gracious and kind God. Number three is this. We might love people, but our love is diminished by God's love for people. He loves people infinitely more than you and I love people. I love my wife. I love my kids. God loves my wife and my kids even more than I do. God loves you even more than you love yourself. Thank goodness for that, some of you are thinking. God loves us infinitely more than we are even aware of. And, and we, we need, need to be reminded of that because we might be thinking, well, at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, if, if some people don't be categorized as, as righteous, if they don't 
have that ability to inherit all that God has for them on the other side of humankind. That can't be a loving God. Yet God's love is greater than yours or mine. And his ways are beyond our ways. And we have to trust that God is going to do the right thing at the right time in every moment because God is God and we are not. All we know is that to be righteous is having a connection with God. That could be a last moment connection in someone's life. That can be a beginning connection in someone's life. That could be a connection that they develop along the way in their life. It can happen at any time, at any moment. God is God and we are not. Our job is to multiply love wherever we go and to live like Jesus to the best of our ability so that we can gather people around us and help them understand that God is a God of love and God is desperately desiring for them to experience the best version of life available on our planet. God, Jesus ends this story uh, with talking about homeowners bringing choice gems along with new gems, new gems and old gems out of their storeroom, their homeowners. And he's talking there in reference to the way we choose to conduct ourselves, the way we choose to love the people around us. If we can do any one of those three things that I've talked about, having that mindset and realizing God loves people more than we do. So even if we love just a little bit, God's love is going to radiate through us. If we adopt that, that mindset of being a person of peace, if we take that practice to listen to the, li- to the stories of, of people in our lives, we are doing the best thing that we can to demonstrate love, to multiply ourselves, to gather people around us and help them experience hope, life, and truth wherever they are. If we can do all of those things, if we can live into our being, as sons and daughters of a king, for those of us who know Jesus, that is the best gift that we can give the world. And even when our world comes to an end, there's still hope, there's still meaning and life and purpose, even at the end of all things. Maybe today you just need to be reminded that God loves you. God trusts you. God has placed you right where he needs you in order to show love right where you are. And even though the world in which we have lived has changed, it's come to an end. It's a new reality and a new day in and through this pandemic and beyond. There is still hope. There's still life. There's still truth. There's still great things that you and I can experience. If we would learn to let go and let God and trust what he's doing. Because he always does what is right. He is a God of love. He's not a God of hatred. What do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known as somebody who loves? Or do you want to be known as somebody who hates? It's your choice, your opportunity to be known for whatever you would like to be known for. If you've yet to have a connection with Jesus, maybe today is that time where you can start that connection. It is never too late to get connected with God. And it's never too early to get connected with God. Would you pray with me? I'm going to pray specifically for you as you start that connection, 
and I'm going to pray for you is you learn to embrace that reality of being a fish and a fisherman wherever you go and wherever you are right here, right now, today. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm thankful that you are a God that always does what is right. I'm thankful that you have made a way forward for us by allowing us to be connected with you. And through that connection, we are righteous. We don't have anything to fear at the end of our world because you are true and you are hope. And we can place our trust in you because of those two things. God, I pray for anyone that does not yet have a connection with you. Maybe they're curious. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe they're jaded. Maybe they've interacted with people who have said that they are connected with God and they've experienced something other than love by these people that they've been connected to. Would you, by your perfect love, cover over all, all of that pain? Not take it away, but help them see that even in the midst of what is less than your ideal experience for life, for us as human beings, there is still a way forward. There is still a love that doesn't end, that is true, that is hopeful and meaningful and has depth and purpose to it. And all we need to do is reach out and ask to experience that and you will grant that to us. God, I pray that you'd give those of us who are connected to you the courage to give the gift of time this week to people in our lives so that we can demonstrate love by that gift of time exhibited through listening to someone's story. I pray, God, that you give us opportunities to build bridges wherever we go, in our neighborhoods, at work, at home, at play, wherever we happen to be on a particular day so that people can experience your love. And I pray, God, that you give us a mindset and a reality that the way we love people is so infinitely small, but we're connected to an infinitely big God who loves infinitely. Your love is so great, so amazing, so overwhelming in the good way that we can experience it, that it does what is always right in every time, in every moment, and at every season, even when it comes to the end of our world. God, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to worship you and to connect with you. And we're thankful and grateful for how you love. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless, and we'll see you again soon.